Have you ever been given a fresh start? Maybe you really messed up, but were given a second chance. Well, Jonah did, and he obediently preached to a people that he refused to at first. Jonah needed to learn what we all do, that we must never put limits on God's mercy and grace. We should never presume that some people are beyond his reach and concern, and When given a second chance, we should use it to God's glory. This lesson is called The Prodigal's Second Chance. By the time the average Christian finishes Jonah chapter 2, I think they're under the impression that all the good stuff is over. You know, they might know that Nineveh repented. They, They might know that Jonah wasn't all that happy about it. But, I mean, once you get past Jonah being thrown up onto dry land by this great fish, well, it's time to start reading somewhere else in the Bible. The truth is, Jonah chapter 3 to this day holds the key to several things, a spiritual awakening, a return to spiritual health and vitality for for individuals, for nations, and in, in this day and time for churches. See, after the Lord told Jonah to go to Nineveh, You remember he boarded a ship instead. He's heading in the opposite direction. He had come to believe, as most of his nation had, that, well, salvation belonged to the Jewish people, and that didn't include the Ninevites. But only when Jonah's inside that great fish did Jonah recognize, as he says in chapter 2 and verse 9, that salvation belongs to the Lord. In other words, God can save anybody who calls upon him to be saved. Now, the other reason Jonah effectively resigned as a prophet was because he didn't want this idolatrous, brutal nation to get anything from God but but fire and brimstone. He'd rather resign as a prophet and run away than see God extend mercy to them. Fortunately, God chased him down. After Jonah was spit out on the dry ground, we read here in chapter 3 now in verse 1, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Stop there for a moment. I love that phrase. God spoke to Jonah the second time. Truth is, I I wouldn't have if I were God. I wouldn't have re-enlisted Jonah. I'd have begun asking for resumes. I'd, I'd start a search for some other prophet. But the grace of God is indeed amazing. God re-enlists messengers like Jonah. One author put it this way, that if he didn't, None of us would be able to serve him today. Well, what does God say to Jonah this second time? Well, verse 2 tells us, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, that sounds a lot like what God told him back in chapter 1, but there is a difference. In in chapter 1, God referred to the wickedness of the Ninevites. In chapter 3, In the second commission, Jonah is simply challenged with the the, the sacred task of delivering the message of God. Basically, Jonah's told to preach God's word. And let me tell you, from Jonah's generation to my generation, that's the message. And there's always the temptation to water it down, to preach something, you know, a little more appealing, maybe a little more positive. 
Beloved, the reformation of souls, the awakening of the heart today, still comes through the Word of God, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. So here's the command, Jonah, go preach my word. But think about it. Wouldn't Jonah's personal testimony of surviving three days in the belly of the fish, wouldn't that have drawn incredible crowds to hear him? Thrown overboard, swallowed by a great fish, alive for three days in the Mediterranean Sea. I mean, you can't get any more exciting than that. Well, let me tell you, beloved, God isn't interested in Jonah talking about himself. He, he doesn't command Jonah to go to Nineveh and talk about his testimony, to, but, but to talk about God. Let me tell you, I believe the people of Nineveh were already prepared to listen to Jonah. There's little doubt news of Jonah's amazing experience in that fish. Well, that's already reached Nineveh. And, and I want you to know this. One of the chief gods of the Ninevites was the fish god Dagon. The Ninevites actually believed that Dagon ruled the Mediterranean Sea, half man, half fish. So here comes a prophet who rode inside a great fish that was under the command, not of Dagon, but of Jonah's God, a God who evidently had greater power than their own fish God. You see, God is tying all these things together to set the stage for what will become the greatest national revival in human history. Verse 4 tells us here, Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, from a human perspective, Jonah's short sermon is a little ridiculous, isn't it? How can one man confront thousands of people with a brief, offensive sermon? You've got forty days before God is going to overthrow your city. And then with that, expect them to believe. I mean, how does that work? Well, let me tell you, beloved, this is always God's method for bringing about a reformation, a revival, a spiritual awakening in any human heart. God works through believers who are committed to proclaiming the message of God, and then God does everything else. Is it really that surprising to read here in verse 5? The people of Nineveh believed God. Well, they may have been swept away by, you know, the growing legend of Jonah, but you need to know they're, they're ultimately swept into the mercy of God. Now, we have every reason to believe that Jonah would have said more to the Ninevites about the God of Israel. In fact, they would need to know something about the God of Israel in order to transfer their faith from Dagon to Yahweh, the true and living God. We're told here in verse 5 that the people believed God. Now, this word for believed comes from a verb that means to confirm. In other words, the people confirmed whatever it was that Jonah said about God. They confirmed it as true. But don't miss the fact here that they believed in God, not in Jonah. You see, the proof of true confession is, is repentance. That means to turn around. So did they. Oh, did they ever? We're told here in verse 5 that the Ninevites altered their priorities. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. 
The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. So we're told here that from the king on down, everybody puts on sackcloth. Sackcloth was this coarse, rough cloth used for making grain sacks. We would call it today burlap. Well, when it's used for clothing, it represents humility and mourning. See, this isn't all they did, however. Verse 7 tells us the king called for a fast, a national fast. And all the people now went without food for a day in order to spend time, that time, seeking God for mercy. But that isn't, that isn't all they did. They still did more. They radically altered their, their public behavior. The king here in verse 8 says, Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Reminds me a little bit of the dark days of World War II. I've read in history, the King of England and the President of the United States called for national days of prayer. But this is more than that. The king is calling for a national day of repentance. They're not just praying. They're repenting. That They're admitting their evil ways, their violent lifestyles, and then they're walking away from it all into following after God. And the king says here in verse 9, who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. By the way, that's exactly what God does here in verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, from our limited human perspective, it appears God changed his mind. But from the divine perspective, God is simply keeping his word to forgive those who repent and confess their sins. And that's what he does. Now, if we learn anything from this amazing scene here, we learn that God's grace can change the heart of the most unlikely person. Don't take anybody off your prayer list because you think they've gone too far. Just continue praying and sharing with them the Word of God. Faith, the Apostle Paul writes, comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of Christ, Romans ten seventeen. Give them the Word of God. Martin Luther, the reformer, was once asked about his contribution to the Reformation now over 500 years ago. Uh, It reached so many people with the truth of justification by faith alone in Christ. And Luther responded by saying, no, I simply taught God's word. I, I, I did nothing. The word did everything else. You know, our world, as you, I'm sure you're aware, is in need of another reformation. It's in desperate need of a spiritual awakening. Let's continue faithfully delivering the Word of God, and the Word of God does everything else. Well, until our next Wisdom Journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This lesson from Jonah is called The Prodigal's Second Chance. Stephen has one more lesson to go from this book, 
and that'll be next time. Before then, I want to make sure that you've received Stephen's free gift. He's emailing a copy of his booklet called Resurrection Power to Anyone Who Asks. In it, Stephen explores the fact that, according to eyewitness accounts, Jesus never attended a funeral that he didn't entirely interrupt. Every time Jesus went to a funeral, the dead came back to life. God wanted us to know that Jesus has power over death. The exciting news is that Jesus offers his resurrection power to you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Stephen's resource called Resurrection Power will deepen your appreciation for what Jesus has done for you in offering you eternal life. Receive a free copy of this resource today at wisdomonline.org forward slash resurrection. Then join us next time as we continue the wisdom journey.